The following is a sermon from Pastor Timothy Borman and Sure Foundation, a church located in Woodside, Queens, New York, the world's most diverse community. For more information and for more audio content, go to sure-foundation.org. So today is a day of new beginnings in many, many ways. If you didn't get the point of Pastor Dave's children's sermon this morning, Sunday school starts today, and we're under a new theme, Grow in Faith. And we've got many beautiful surprises for the children. Faith folders are coming this year, and other things. I mean, these kids are going to grow. Send your children to Sunday school We're also at the beginning of a brand new Bible study today. It's going to start right after church. We're calling it ekklesia. That's a word in Greek that means church, and church means called out. And we're going to be looking at what is the Christian's relationship with his or her culture? What is our relationship with the media? What is our relationship with political parties? What is our relationship with the government? What is our relationship with science? So many things that that we wrestle with every day. We need this Bible study. Please come. Today we are also starting a brand new sermon series, if you missed the Labor Day retreat, that is, on the book of James. And let me warm up your hearts. Let me get you ready to take in this book by telling you about this Book of James, this sermon series that we're calling Hardworking Faith. James is a book that is unparalleled in the New Testament when it comes to moral urgency. Here's a fact about the book of James. There are 108 verses in the entire book of James. 54 of those verses have what we call an imperative or a command. In other words, Every other book, every other verse in this book approximately says, Dear Christian, do this. Or, every other verse in this book says, Dear Christian, you have been called out of the world. Don't pollute yourself with it. This book is like the Sermon of the Mount preached all over again. This book is going to come at us, and it's going to come at us hard, and it's going to come at us fast in a way in the New Testament that is absolutely unparalleled. Now, James is going to do it in this way. He's going to bring to us images. So, we are going to see James get out his little crayon and draw pictures for us. We're going to see pictures of billowing oceans. We're going to see pictures of dying wildflowers. We're going to see pictures of unbridled horses. We're going to see pictures of a little spark thrown into a dry, dry field. And that thing is going to go up like a wildfire, says James. He's going to use these pictures to teach us what to do and not to do in our Christian living. But there is one image. There is one image. Somebody's GPS came on. There is one image in the book of James that overshadows them all. There is one image in the book of James 
that, that towers over the whole book, and rightly it should, like, like the Empire State Building towers over New York, or like the, the Freedom Tower looms over New York, and it is this image, and it is an image that James wants to hang on the, on the walls of your heart so that you never forget it. It is the mirror, mirror on the wall. Listen to James. Give us this image. We're on page 10 in your bulletins. Please follow along there. We're going to start right there at verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry. Because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they heard, but doing it, they will be blessed in what they do. Those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues deceive themselves. And their religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. This is the word of the Lord. I've been on a little bit of a journey with this sermon. <laughs> on Wednesday, I thought I had the sermon. I really did. I thought, I know exactly what I'm going to say, and the words were burning in my heart because I was carrying around with me verses 19 to 21, the very first part. And I thought, this is a sermon that people are going to be able to relate with. And, and so I was going to tell a story. I, I actually was going to tell a story about how I sent a text accidentally to the wrong number, if you've ever done that before. I texted the wrong person, and I got a text back. And it said, who the bleep are you? And then I was wrestling with myself, well, well what should I say back? And I thought about these words, I thought, James says, be slow to speak. So I was slow to speak. I said nothing back and I deleted it. And in a sense, James saved me, right? From making a fool out of myself. And then, and then I was going to tell, tell other stories too, like, like what it's like, and, and some of you know this, what it's like to drive down narrow streets and what that's like spiritually when somebody's coming at you on one of those narrow streets and they're like hogging the road. 
you know what I'm talking about. They're hogging the road, and they won't move over. And you're thinking to yourself, well, at least I'm thinking to myself, maybe. Some kind of naughty names. And then, and then I was going to talk about after telling that story, like how James says human anger. Human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. And how actually that human anger that we actually experience more often than we think is moral filth to him. That's what he says. I mean, he's not talking about the naughtiness of the world right there. He's talking about the anger that surges up in our hearts like when the line is too long. That's what he's talking about. But most of all, I wanted to talk about this word, this beautiful word that God has given us, that he has planted in our hearts. And this is a word that gives to us our Savior, Jesus, who died for us. And that this word, this powerful word that we hear every single work at week actually saves us. And I thought, that's the sermon. That's it. But it was only Wednesday. <laughs> And the Holy Spirit wasn't done with me yet. In fact, I woke up on Thursday morning and I was bothered. I was actually bothered to the highest heavens that I was never intending to get to the last couple of verses of our section, verses 26 and 27, because these are a couple of verses that just will not leave us alone. And these are a couple of verses that liberal Christians and conservative Christians love to sort of fight about. Because the bleeding heart liberals among us will say, look at you conservative Christians. You say that you love God, but you don't love the orphan. What about social justice? And then the conservative Christian points back, and we say, but you liberals are just like the world. You're polluted. And James is, James is sitting there standing like, you're all wrong. You're actually all wrong. Because a religion that is worthwhile, a religion that matters, a religion that God loves, is, is a religion that flows from God's very heart. And these are not two extremes of liberals and conservatives. These, these flow from the very heart of God who loves everyone Orphans and widows and those who are downcast and, and also who has called us out of the world. These are not two extremes. They are things that all of us, yes, all of us should be doing, says James. But most of all, I wanted to talk to you about our dear Father in heaven. Our dear Father in heaven who loved us more than his only son, so much so that he bled and died for us so that we can say, we can actually say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I thought, well, that's got to be the sermon then. But it was only Thursday. <laughs> and it actually bothered me that we still had not gotten to the very heart of it yet. Because... Of the whole book of James, you know what the most famous verses, the most powerful verses, arguably, in the entire book are? It's right in the heart of our lesson for today. 
And James hangs for us a mirror, mirror on the wall. And when I actually started to look into that mirror, and I took a nice hard look into that mirror, I could not look away. At first, because of the ugliness of it. I mean, can you imagine this? Like, there's this guy out there, James says. There's this guy who goes and he looks intently in the mirror. And not, not just for a couple of seconds. I mean, this is not you pulling up to a stoplight and you flip down the mirror that's in your car, you know what I'm talking about? And you're just checking, okay, let's just make sure the makeup or, or whatever or I shaved right, let's just check it out, and then the light turns green and you're off again. It's not what James is talking about. James is talking about the guy who goes and he looks intently in the mirror and he studies himself and he says, oh, look, I have this color skin. He says, oh, look, I have a birthmark right here on the side of my face. Oh, and I, and I, and I missed shaving this part and, and boy, look at my eyebrows. They're kind of bushy. Maybe, maybe I should pluck them or something like that. And I mean, this is a guy who studies his face in the mirror. And then he walks away. He's walking away. And another guy comes up and he says, now, you know that guy that you saw in the mirror? Can you describe what he looks like? And, and then there's this, there's this sad moment on the guy's face, and, he, and he's, he's almost like an Alzheimer's patient, right? He, he's like an Alzheimer's patient. And he closes his eyes and he screws up in his face and, and he answers with sadness and he says, you know what? I forgot. I can't remember what I look like. What would you... What, what, should we call a person like that? You tell me, like, what, we, what should we call a person who looks in the mirror and then forgets what he looks like? Should we call him stupid? Should we do some studies and figure out, like, is there some kind of sickness involved here? where the brain can't remember what they look like? Has this ever happened to you? <laughs> you go home, and you're talking to mom on the phone, and she's a couple states away, or maybe a whole country away, who knows? And she says, did you go to church this morning? Well, yeah, I went to church this morning. Pretty sure I did. She says, well, what pastor talk about today? Let's talk about that for a while. And all of a sudden, you're closing your eyes, and you're gritting your face, and, and, and you're like, I'm sure I did go to church this morning. Yep, that's what I normally do. And, and I'm sure um, that pastor said something like, usually Pastor Tim talks for like 20 minutes. If it's Pastor Dave, it's like 25 <laughs> and, you know, those guys said something, 
But I can't remember, Mom. I honestly can't remember. Some pastors actually make excuses for the people. Like, sometimes I think pastors actually feel bad. Like, maybe it's our fault, in part, maybe because we preached a bad sermon or something like that. But pastors make excuses for the people. And, and I've actually heard pastors say, going to church is like eating breakfast. <laughs> Have you heard this before? Going to church is like eating breakfast because you probably can't remember what you ate. Not exactly, but you know that it was good for you. And James is like, no. Going to church should not be like eating breakfast. And going to church and listening to the Word, he says, should not be like looking in the mirror and forgetting what you look like. I mean... What should we call a person who's sitting there on Sunday afternoon scratching their head like an Alzheimer's patient thinking, I can't remember what the pastor talked about. What should we say about that person? Or maybe better, maybe better this, if you are that person. If you are that person, what can you do so that never happens again? So there's a, I'm not exactly proud of this, but um, in my younger days I watched a movie called Memento. Have you seen this movie? It's a psychological thriller called Memento. And, and Memento is a movie where this guy has anterograde amnesia. So this is what this means. His long-term memory was shot after an injury. Like he couldn't, nothing went into, your long, his, into his long-term memory. He only had that like 18 second span of short-term memory to, to run his life from then on. And, and so every day he would wake up in the morning and, and he actually didn't know where he was. He didn't know who he was. He didn't even really understand his purpose in life. So you know what he did? He starts making little mementos. He'd take a picture and he'd write on it. This is my friend, and this is where I live. <laughs> and, he, and he started to tattoo certain very important truths actually all over his body so that he would know who he was, what he was doing, and his whole purpose in life. And, and to be honest with you, we have a spiritual type of anterograde amnesia in a sense. So what, did he, what do we do? Well, we need mementos, right? So what things are you using for mementos? I, I mean, you, you might be a person who actually needs to shove like a Bible in your purse. You might need to be a person who actually needs to like memorize scripture. You, you might need to be a person who, who sets that Bible app on your phone to send you a reminder at 9 a.m. every single day to read that one little verse. Or you might, you might need to be a person who changes the wallpaper on your ever-present iPhone to a Bible verse. That's what I did. There's a Bible verse that I put, I needed to put it on my phone from Romans 
chapter 15, and it says this, May the God of all hope fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him. I love that verse. May the God of all hope fill you with peace and joy as you trust in him. And I needed it. I needed that reminder that we have a God of hope. Our Lord Jesus, who once lay dead in the grave for our sins, rose again. Yes, we have a God of hope, and this God of hope, it, He fills us with such an abundance of peace and joy that it begins to overflow like a waterfall in our hearts. And every time I would look at that wallpaper on my iPhone, I'd be able to, to fall back into the arms of my dear father who bought me with the blood of his dear son and remember, yes, we have a God of hope. And he fills us with peace and joy through his Holy Spirit. And I could remember who God is to me. What's your little memento going to be? So that you never forget his love for you. So that you are not just a listener of his word, but a doer. You know, we've been on a little bit of a journey ourselves this morning. I, I told you, I went on a little sermonic journey this week. And uh, I brought you along. I brought you along. And, and so I guess the sermon's over. <laughs> but not before I say this. Put the mirror of the gospel and hang it somewhere in a prominent place in your heart so that you never ever forget and so delude yourselves. Amen.